Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where did you come from? Um, so my name is Nicola Lavin. Um, I'm from Galway. And yeah, that's that's the basics. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've lived in Galway my whole life, born and raised there, and I oh, love really? it. Yeah, I love it. It's what party in the city, or so? I was born in the city, so I lived in the city for eight years. Grew up there, but we moved when the housing the housing market got really expensive. We moved out to Headford, so we're kind of on the border of Mayo. Okay. So it's a lovely park, like yeah, yeah. It Traffic like in Galway is so bad; like it's quicker to get in from Hedford than it would be to kind of come from Knocknacarra area. So, and yeah. you know what? I noticed that because when I come into the city, um, I hate it. Yeah, I know the traffic; it's like a bottleneck. Like it's just you come around so to those shops or the hotel, isn't there? The hotel there, and yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah, stand still. You're on <laughs> it for ages. Yeah. Yeah, no, actually, I do know that. Yeah. But Nick, like you and I know each other through Instagram and yeah. through your page that you have. So you have yeah. a page on Instagram. What is that called? So it's called All About Rosalila. A lot of people don't know how to yeah. pronounce it because they're like, Rosa what? So it's kind of, it's it's an unusual story. It's kind of a made up name, Rosalila. Um, it sort of tra- indirectly translates to lilac rose. Okay. And that is my mum's favourite flower and I'm sure we'll probably throughout the podcast we'll get talking about my mum a little bit but um she had a very important role in my life so um when I got very very sick that just that I don't know having that association with her with the lilac rose being her favourite flower just kind of always stood to me and Rosalila just became a name that I kind of became associated with um so when I started kind of blogging and doing the Instagram, it just everything became all about Rosalila. So that's kind of where the name came from. Yeah, because I always wondered when I looked mm. at it, I was like, I don't, I don't know what word. And then I, because you know, the first initial thing is then you look for your name, yeah. and it's like, is a name Rosalia? Yeah. And I was like, no, it's not. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people confuse that as well. So I don't know if I've kind of put myself down, like you know, shot myself in the foot by doing it that way. I never thought that the page would take off, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just my little personal thing, so that's why I liked having the name. But once it grew, I just didn't want to change it. I could have rebranded and just gone down, you know, with my name and stuff, but I just have such an attachment to it now. And it just sort of feels like my mom is always there, you know, kind of rooting me on and stuff. So she was my travel buddy for years and years and years. So I was a single mom for years. So um, just to kind of have that connection still mm. to her, just Lovely. right to me, so... 
So take it back to me then, Nicola, from the very beginning. What was it like for you growing up? Growing up, great household. Like, my dad is a journalist. So I think that's where maybe some of the genes came from. from like, never in my life, I'm a medical scientist. So mm. never in my life did I think that I would ever be putting pen to paper and writing blogs. Um, so my dad was editor of the Connacht Tribune in Galway. Yeah, so he had, like, you know, he he was just such a huge influence in my life like and um my mom was an artist so she was very creative and like we had that kind of growing up she was just one of those like I'm looking at your house here covered in Christmas decorations <laughs> my mom was like that it was just all about the magic um she was only 20 when she had me so wow yeah she was only 19 getting married so oh my god yeah she was 20 when she had me so we were so close um I have two younger sisters and we're like the bond is just the three the three of us three three of us and my mom were like so so close I can imagine with that age difference yeah. especially growing up with her yeah and then take them from me tell me about teenage life and all of that growing teenage up. life was good I was one of those I just loved studying I was one of those nerds <laughs> <laughs> like so nerdy I was really into science and I just thought that's where my life was going to go um <clears throat> so I was really really nerdy loved school loved studying had a great life Everything was rosy, never had to worry about anything. Like, honestly, it, it was picture perfect. And then um, did my leave insert and started my degree, like start training for my degree in medical laboratory science. And in my final, in, in between the summer of my final year, um, my whole life turned upside down. So it, it's never been the same since. Tell me about that. Yeah, so... Um, I t- took my in between my fourth and fifth year in college took my J1 and I said if I don't travel now like I always loved traveling but it was never like a massive priority to me at that time it was like get your degree get your career start earning money and then you can start thinking about traveling but I was like I'm going to be kind of going into a very serious job here after I finish college so I want to get a little bit of travel out of the way and um, <clears throat> headed off on my J1 to New York with two of my college friends and we just had an unbelievable summer. Like we, we, I had family in New York, so we stayed with them initially before making our way out to Montauk. And I don't know if you've seen the affair, but like it's mm-hmm. absolutely stunning out there. It's beaches. Like we were at the hotel we were working for, we're hosting MTV beach parties. So oh we were God. like, you know, Carson Daly and Jennifer <laughs> Lopez. And we were like running around serving drinks. And um, <clears throat> it was like amazing. Um. But I used to walk to, to work every morning through long grass. And even though I was doing medical science, and I, I personally knew about the dangers of Lyme disease, it, it was never really enforced in us. It was something that I always thought that you would get maybe foreign or abroad, or you, you'd get your bullseye rash, and you'd never have to, you know. Mm. I, I didn't know how devastating it would be. And I didn't know to kind of really check myself for ticks or look out for ticks. And sure, there I was, my freckly legs walking through the grass. And didn't realise that I had got just a tiny little tick had crawled up my leg and up my body and um, had bit me under my arm. So under my, like in my armpit. So I wasn't even fully aware of the bite. I didn't see the tick attached. But just that area became really inflamed and red and um, not the typical bullseye rash that you can see with Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. I'll explain that in a little bit. But like I just had, I didn't know what was causing it. And immediately I started to feel very like, flu-like symptoms you know the usual like very hard to kind of pin pinpoint what it was so flu-like symptoms very very nauseous very sick um and I only had about two weeks until I was flying home so I did go to a GP over there they didn't know 
what it was. And I kind of thought, look, I'll, when I get home, I'll, I'll get it seen to properly and see what the story is. Um, <clears throat> I failed to mention in the meantime, my boyfriend was missing me so much that he had flown over to New York to spend the last few weeks with me. So when I flew home, I immediately went to the GP. Um, she said, well, it seems like you've got like a stomach flu. Or I don't even know if stomach flu is a thing, but that's what she said. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're still sick in a few weeks, come back to me. And two weeks later, I was still throwing up morning, noon and night and just chills and flu-like symptoms, very, very sick. And um, she said, well, seeing as you're throwing up so much, we'll do a pregnancy test and we'll just see. And lo and behold, <laughs> I was pregnant. Oh so God. everything was put down to that. Yeah. And I'd never been pregnant before, so I didn't know. You weren't supposed to feel that bad, yeah. you know. And so everything was like any ache or pain I had, it was just like, oh, it's pregnancy-related, pregnancy-related. And... Um, <clears throat> I just was so sick, like, thrown up morning, noon and night. Like, it was just a horrific pregnancy for me. By the time, my son wasn't due until beginning of June. And by March, (coughs) sorry, I was already hospitalised. And they didn't know what was wrong with me. I was just building up loads of fluid, blood pressure very high. They thought I had preeclampsia. So I was hospitalised from that point in March. And by the beginning of May... They, they, it had got so bad that they had to deliver my son a month early. And they thought that that would resolve all my issues, but it didn't. And I ended up in heart failure. And um, within a week, um, the, um, I, was, I was in hospital. My mom and dad were kind of trying to look after my newborn baby, my, my boyfriend at the time. Between the three of them, they were all kind of sharing care. Someone always had to be with me as well. And within a week of kind of, they, they still hadn't even figured out what was wrong with me, but like um, my heart stopped and they had to revive me. So I, I died and they had to kind of bring me back. And I ended up in ICU and eventually they figured out it was heart failure that I had been in. So, wow. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it, was, it was quite a traumatic time. Like obviously I had a new baby. Yeah. Didn't even really fully get to see him until he was maybe like a month old, as in register that I had a baby and yeah. could ho- had the physical strength to hold him and stuff. Yeah, so it wasn't like the normal newborn kind of, um, you know, experience. Yeah. yeah. So that was really, really hard. I did mention to them that I had been bitten at that time, but mm. they didn't seem to think that it was significant. Um, and what I know about Lyme disease now is that it, it causes that, can cause those heart problems um so the exact heart problems that I had um so if they had a diagnosis at that time and maybe I got antibiotics or whatever I needed at that time I wouldn't have had to go through like 18 years of living like hell literally the only way I can describe it not being dramatic um can I stop you for one second can I ask you about um about the bond between you and your son does the fact that you and him didn't get to see each other for a long time um does that still sit with you over the years does it sit with him does it um no it doesn't because like as I said I was so close to my mum. Mm. like she was only 20 years older than me so when I knew that she was looking after him it was like he was getting my love I knew he was being looked after really mm. well um with regards to his dad, his dad just couldn't, like we were together for five years kind of all through secondary school and 
when all of that happened, he just couldn't, couldn't take the pressure of it or starting a new family. We were only 23 ourselves. Um, and because I got so sick and, you know, there was so much involved. Um, so I ended up being a single mom from that point. I kind of lived with my parents for like six months until I got an apartment for myself. So mm. my son at that point had like all of that love. So he mm. had me, he had my mom and my dad, mm. like who see him as a, you know, surrogate son almost. Like, of course. You know. And after three girls, this is the yeah, boy that's come into the house. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So my dad was chuffed and like um, they had such a strong bond and myself and Aaron had have and still like we had and still have the strongest bond so so close and then tell me then if the with the pregnancy then how long do you get after get out of hospital with your heart failure and stuff like that yeah so um it was september before we kind of got home both of us yeah because he was a premature baby as well and so he had issues as well and by the time the both of us got home and kind of starting a life um, it was September. So, and as I mentioned, I was in my final year of college. So I had to write up, I, like I had already done for, I'd invested in this career and I really wanted to do it. And it's all I ever wanted to do. Um, so I wrote up my degree project in coronary care. So I was determined. I was like, I'm getting this degree. I don't care if I get like, you know, first mm. class degree, third mm. class, just as long as I qualify and I can start working. And um, I had done my kind of intern service training in Galway so they knew me in Galway and once I qualified I got offered my job in September 25th September I started so I had my he, Aaron was only three three and a half four months old oh my god so there's no maternity leave yeah. or anything like that it was like newborn baby just recovered from heart failure starting a full-time job so life was busy like it was really really busy um and the first thing that I started to notice was that my energy levels weren't right. Like, they were really bad. And, like, my mom would say, like, you've just gone through heart failure. You have a newborn baby. You're, like, mm-hmm. you're doing on call. You're working. You're, you're trying to do everything. You're trying to be superwoman here. Like, of course you're going to be tired. But I was like, Mom, I know what it feels like to be tired. Like, this isn't tired. This is like mm-hmm. someone's pulling the plug. You know, it's like there's no battery. It's, the energy is just not there. Um. So I kind of kept going back to the doctors and obviously I was kind of being looked after for my heart for for a few years. And they were like, well, everything seems to be kind of going back to normal now. They they gave me medication and everything. And I was very lucky to avoid a heart transplant. Um, the only advice that they could give me was to never get pregnant again because my heart could never wouldn't be able to take it. Wow. Yeah. So it was like the, the odds that they gave me were like 33% chance you'd be okay with some more heart damage, 33% chance you'd need a heart transplant, which only lasts 10 years and then you need another heart transplant. You can only get two in your entire life. So um, that wasn't an option. And then it was 33% chance you'd die. So the odds weren't really in my favour to go and, you know, if I wanted to get pregnant again. So I suppose that kind of helped my bond with Aaron in that mm. I knew it was just always mm. going to be the two of us, so... Um, and can I ask just again off topic probably but with your medical science mm, background yeah. when you went through heart failure did you see anything did you go to a light was oh. there a light yeah I know I'd love I wish I could say yes there was mm. um because that 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 was always kind of my belief that there would be but it was for me it was just I don't know if you've ever had surgery and you know when you just go black yeah. everything goes by it's just it was just like that so everything just kind of went black for me. 
maybe I just have no memory of it, mm. you know, so mm. I don't know. And then bring it back then, Nicola, to you, you, you start work, you're working full time and then you're not well because, and this is really stupid, okay, but the only reason I know Lyme disease is the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yes, no, that's it's the only reason yeah. reason how I know it. And like Yolanda and yeah. what she was going through. And then I do personally know someone else who's gone yeah. through it now as well. But again, I said the same to him. The only reason I know about Lyme disease is yeah. that because people don't know about it. People don't know about it. Doctors don't even really know to look for it. And that's why when I had mentioned the bite to them, they should have been straight away testing me for it. But they didn't test me. Um, and obviously with the medical science background, I know that once you kind of become infected with something, you, your antibodies go right up. But after a little while, they come right down. It's the same with COVID. Like, you know, you, your antibodies will be up. Mm. You, te- you can test positive. But they'll, co- they'll come to a level where they're, they're not even detectable anymore. So over the years, I had started to get kind of sick. I, I was having like all these weird symptoms, like things that you just couldn't connect together. Like I would be getting off bad pins and needles in my, in my arms and my hands pains off about pains that so much so I'd end up in A&E with them and they'd be like oh maybe it's a neurological thing and then I'd end up my knee would swell up and go bright red and just go flaming hot and like it'd be swell totally swelled up and then maybe it's a rheumatology thing and I was like and then my stomach you know it'd be like how can one girl have so many different Mm. things wrong with her like I just didn't understand how nobody could connect the dots because like there was a point in my life where I was well. As I said to you, I'd never even been in hospital before that. Mm. And then all of a sudden, there's like all these things that are wrong. But the problem with that is if you're going in complaining about, um, you know, joint pains or you're going in and pain headaches or memory problems, they start to think that you've got like hypochondria nearly, mm. you know, or that mm. you're kind of trying mm. to find all these things wrong with yourself. So it was a struggle for years and years and years. Um, eventually nine years later I did get a Lyme test and like I said the antibodies had just gone so low that they were negative it was negative and that's what happens to a lot of people in Ireland um, like there's a there's a Facebook or there's a Facebook group of support for people with Lyme disease and if you see the number of people that are on that compared to the amount of people that are actually confirmed positive in Ireland with Lyme disease because the HSE is such strict like regulations about what a positive sample is mm. um like you'd be you'd be shocked like it's just it's one of those illnesses that just drags out very similar to the the what people are experiencing with long covid mm. now that sort of thing where it affects different a lot of different systems in your body um because the lyme bacteria i don't know if you know they kind of come from deer okay and uh, deer rodents birds carry them normally and mm. it doesn't affect them but when a tickle bite on a deer and take its blood it can take some of that bacteria with it and then when it crawls up on you and bites you it injects that bacteria into you and the lime sp- bacteria is not supposed to be in our body um, and it's a spiral corkscrew shaped bacteria that corkscrews into your organs like to hide it doesn't want your body to know that it's there and get rid of it it wants to kind of live like in that you know, environment, so it has somewhere to live, and it, it burrows right into your organs. So what kind of ends up happening is your body knows there's something there, but it just can't get at it. Right. And you end up developing, like, antibodies against your heart muscle, which is what happened to me, antibodies against your thyroid, which is what happens. So your own body ends up attacking 
parts of your your organs and stuff. So you end up in an awful state, like. And I had kind of continued to work. I was a single mom, had continued to work, um, doing on call, going to the gym every day. I was size eight, like I was, you know, I was working out. I was, even though I didn't have the energy, I was just pushing through, pushing through. So if people say I'm lazy or I was lazy or mm. anything like that, it used to bug me so much because I literally just had the will to just keep going and doing it and driving through. Um, and then I... I continued on that way for years and years. Um, and then in 2009, so Aaron would have been eight, um, I met Ronan, um, who's my husband now. And um, I felt like I was at a good place. Like I had financially, mm. um, you know, everything was kind of quite good. Um, I was happy with like, you know, going, working out and going to the gym, that sort of stuff. I just never had the energy that I, that I did. Um, and I just started to accept it and kind of live that way, and that was fine. But then uh, shortly after I met Ronan, um, I need, I was having problems with my jaw. So I had TMJ. I don't know if you've no. heard. That's kind of... Um, it's like a, a problem where your jaw kind of locks and okay. it can cause pro- problems. My bottom jaw had started to kind of shift to the right. Um, so I just, like, it was... Every time I was eating an apple or something, it would lock. So yeah. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to get this sorted. Like, I have to go... So I went to the dentist and she's like, well, the only thing for you is you have to go get orthodontics. They'll, mm. they'll have a look for you. Uh, so I went to him, went for years, and he's like, we, you ha- you're having problems with your jaw. And I didn't know at the time that, like, as I said about the lime, it likes to burrow down into your teeth, into your roots, um, and hide there. But it's renowned for causing this jaw problem. It's like, um, and I didn't know to connect that dot either. Um, and so I went to uh, the orth- orthodontics and he suggested that I have my jaw broken and widened to kind of get everything back in alignment and stress. So I was like, oh, it was only supposed to be a day surgery. Yeah. I was like, it sounds horrific. I really don't want to do that. But mm. like, if it's the only thing that I can do to stop this, you know, getting worse. Yeah, OK, I'll do it. Um, went in as a day patient and my whole life turned upside down. Like I... I came out of that surgery. First of all, they couldn't stop the bleeding. They couldn't. I had. They had to admit me for two days. Like I was. It was just. Oh I. I faint. I collapsed right on the floor. Like it was like the final hit that my immune system could just take. It was just like the nail in the coffin, and that that was it. So like when I'm talking about en- low energy, I literally couldn't lift a spoon to my mouth. I couldn't um, brush my teeth. I couldn't dress. My, I couldn't brush my hair. Um, Ronan, who I had literally just met, became my like carer. He had to do absolutely everything for me. I was having seizures, paralysis episodes. Like I would faint just at the drop of a hat, um, and like I would faint, and I could hear everything that was going on, but I physically couldn't move like a muscle. I couldn't even blink. Couldn't do anything. And like I'd hear Ronan and Aaron screaming and crying and so upset and worried about me not knowing what the hell was going on and I couldn't even move my mouth to tell them that I was I was okay don't worry I'll be fine like so it got to the point like I couldn't feed myself Ronan had to feed me spoon feed me wash me I couldn't even sweat my swallow reflexes even stopped like I couldn't swallow yeah it it got so bad so that kind of was over a period of about five years um and I would 
for the first few years I would tr- I was trying my hardest not I didn't want to lose my career I yeah. loved loved my job mm. sorry that was the hardest part I think was like take your time you just felt like you lost control of everything do you know and like a career that I like I want to work take your time I wanted to work so much, but I just couldn't. Like, I had absolutely no energy. So, um, like, it got to the point where Ronan was, um, he had to work and, and earn money for both of us because I, I, I was trying so hard. I would go in for a day and have to take two days off just to recover from that one day. And then I'd try again for another day. And, and I was letting people down because, like, the, the system doesn't work, you know, if mm. you're conning sick every second day so I took a really hard decision just to say look I'm going to take two years out or a year out however long it takes to try and see if I can if the rest will help like mm. you know everyone says just rest you'll, you'll get through it um so I said well, I'll have to take the time out I can't keep letting them down like this mm. but I went from like an 80 grand a year job to zero so like all of our finances got hit. Anything we had had in savings was used on medical bills. Rona was working day and night to try and pay the mortgage, pay our bills, look after me. So like he would get up in the morning and have to f- spoon feed me. And if he didn't have time to spoon me feed me that morning, I'd have to wait until he got home at seven or eight o'clock that night because I didn't have. First of all, I didn't have the energy to feed myself, and second of all, I couldn't even swallow the food myself. So. He couldn't like he couldn't just leave food there for me to eat. How old were you, Nicola? Um, at that point, I was thirty, thirty-three, thirty-four. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. I know because when you say like in sickness and health and all that with your mm. husband, like, you literally don't think that it's going. You know, you're gonna be that inca- incapacitated or disabled that he's going to have to do all the jobs that you think maybe you might have to do in your 80s or 90s, mm-hmm. do you know? And, like, did some people think, oh, God, what is this next? What's this next? Did you... Yeah, so I suppose, like you said, like you said, you watched Yolanda on and you kind of saw, like, all her friends sitting around going, like, mm-hmm. is it Munchausen syndrome? Mm-hmm. Is this in her head? Just why? How can she be at an event one day and then she's, like, three days in bed and... You know, you do you do get a lot of that, like, and when you go doctor after doctor and you're told, like, I spent a fortune on doctors. Um, in my blog, you can see the list of the amount of doctors that I went to, like, and you're going to a cardiologist, a rheumatologist, a gastroenterologist. You're, you know, you don't you don't ever get to see someone that will look at your whole body as a kind mm. of a whole and say, well, why are all of these things going wrong? They're just looking at the little individual things, the symptom that you have at that time um so yeah you do you do get a lot of doubt um you're nothing's showing up in your blood tests you know that there's no real medical like evidence of why you're feeling that bad or or why you are that bad and I think maybe being a medical scientist like I don't know I like I obviously knew myself that there was obviously some scientific reason for it but like I, I could see why people would mm. would think that you were making it all up or it was all in your head, mm. you know. And if you didn't have that background, you could probably be thinking 
this is all in my 100%, head. Yeah, 100%. And make yourself yeah. m- feel like you're losing your mind. Yeah, 100%. And then did it, did it get better in those five years or? No, it got to a point where it was just like, it was so, it was so, it was so bad. Like, I mean, I would pray every morning that I wouldn't wake up. I know that sounds horrible. It's a horrible place to be. And I would never, ever do anything, you know, my husband, my son or whatever. But like, I, I was just praying like I it was not an existence like I the, I, I know that certain it, there's certain illnesses like you get really sick and everything but like this is like it this takes away your quality of life so you might not be actually dying but like you're not living either you're you're locked away in a bedroom like you're just you know you're in pain all the time you can't even handle stimulus of like talking or noise anything would zap your energy you just have to be in a quiet room. Like, it, it was just a horrific place to be. So I was like, pr- I would pray every single morning that that would be the end of it and I wouldn't wake up. But like I said, I'm a determined person. Mm-hmm. So on any day that I felt like I had a little bit of energy, I would be on the phone, research, research, research. Um, that's kind of how I started my Instagram as well. It's, it's not actually how I started with Instagram, but it was like how I got a love for Instagram. Right was because I I was locked away in my room. I couldn't travel. I couldn't go to the shops. I couldn't go for coffee. I couldn't do any of those things that everyone else is doing. So like Instagram had just kind of started. And that's how I got sort of any bit of social interaction that mm. I had. Like I would see people traveling to places in the world that you could only dream of. Mm. And like I started my bucket list for like, okay, I'm going to get better and I'm going to go here mm. and I'm going to go here. And I, I, I really... Just, it was like the motivation that I needed to kind of get better. I was like, this is not going to, this is not going to get me. I'm going, I'm going to get better. So myself and Ronan both researched and researched and we found, um, I had a really good neurologist at the time who was the one who actually suggested that I had Lyme disease. Um, And he told me that the tests in Ireland just weren't good enough at the time and that I would have to send my bloods to Germany, do it privately and send it to Germany for testing. So, like, in Germany, they just have... They're a bit more aware of Lyme disease. And they're not so quick to kind of say chronic Mm. Lyme disease doesn't exist. Like, Mm. there are people now saying, you know, long COVID doesn't exist. But, like, it's hard to deny all these people saying the same thing, Mm. you know. So, um, when I sent my bloods to Germany, um, we found a clinic over there that was helping people with Lyme disease. And... um, we had to fundraise the money for treatment. So I went over there in September, um, I think it was 2015 mm. or six, 2016. Um, no, it was 2018. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and I had um, a stem cell, with my own stem cells, I had stem cell treatment. Um so, like, after years and years and years on antibiotics for the Lyme disease, after I got the positive test, um, there was just so much damage done to my body. It was in just such a state that there was just no way, like, even after, mm. even after killing all the bacteria, there was just so much, like, damage done that I kind of needed to start fresh with the stem cells. They're kind of like, like your little precursor cells, and they go in and they kind of clear out all the, like, damage, okay. you know. Um, they're, they're used like in different diseases like MS, um, 
there's there's loads of different like uh, Alzheimer's as well. They're starting to use them for and like there's loads of different um, illnesses now that they're they're starting to use them for. So that that was just life changing for me. Was it? Yeah. Was it expensive? Yeah. So it cost around thirty thousand euro. Yeah, and it was private like private clinic. You know, there was Jesus. no yeah there was nothing like that here that you could go for. So like we had to fundraise the money because at that point I wasn't working and Rona was on one wage trying to do it all like so and then when you went then and got that done how long did it take and then yeah so it's kind of like a 12 month process because kind of it's it's rebuilding all your cells it's kind of getting your cells to communicate with each other again so it's a long process but within three months of getting that done I was climbing a mountain in India like it, it, it was that different you know oh my god yeah so it took it took me a long time to get back on my feet, but I, I was having more and more better days, do you mm-hmm. know. Um, and that's when I started kind of traveling and taking everyone on my journey because I was like, you know, I've spent so long in my room that mm. I'm ticking off all those places on my bucket list. What and was I, the first place you went to after? Well, it was India was the first place, and it was a solo trip. So well. Solo as in it was a blogging trip, so mm. I was brought with a group of people, mm. but it was solo for me as in I had relied on Roland to do everything mm. for me, like do everything for me, brush my teeth, everything. So to go on my own without that, like, you know, to be independent was just such a, a massive milestone for me, like just to not have to rely on somebody else to do the bare basics. Um so it was like monumental for me and it was it was India's beautiful. I don't know if you've ever been, no. but it's stunning place really gorgeous people and just gives you a a real like zest for life and so um yeah it was wonderful how amazing is Ronan to do all that for you he's just the heart of gold like he's just the best person like and and not even for me like he practically raised Aaron Mm. during that time you know because like I I missed all of Aaron's secondary school years you know, and Rona was washing his uniform, ironing his uniform, making dinners, getting him, made sure his homework done. Like, it was a really hard time for the three of us. You know, me personally, because mm-hmm. I was the one dealing with the illness. But for them, it was like their lives were on hold as well. Like, you know, and they had the worry. Mm-hmm. You know, we were so we were so connected and so strong. Uh, we had such a strong bond. Like, it, it was hard for them to watch me in pain. But also, like... He couldn't go to his Christmas parties or, or nights out mm. or, do you know. And if he did, he felt guilty. And if he did, I, I in a way, resented him for it. Because I was like, I want to go to those places. I just can't. Like, mm. So if, like, it's a, it put a very tough strain on our, our marriage. But, like, we're very strong. And, like, it, he's just my rock. Like, absolute rock. When did you get married? So we got married... Um, we met in 2009 and we got married in 2014 so things had started to go downhill like for me health-wise during that time and um, I just had to pull all my strength together to kind of get through the wedding but like it was the happiest day of my life like it was incredible so when you said uh, about getting married like so did you did he propose talk to me a little bit about that what was that like Uh, so yeah so like he we like we kind of knew I had I had been single for the whole time since since mm. Aaron's dad right until I met Ronan so that was like eight year period totally single uh just didn't want a man in my life you mm. know it's just mm. like Aaron was the most important thing to me I wasn't going to be going out kind of dating bringing people back mm. so 
um when I met Ronan and we started dating I sort of knew it was going to be serious mm. like he's just He's six and a half years younger than me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I thought I would kill him at the start because he was like, so, you know, it takes guys a long time to mature. So I was yeah. like, oh, God. But we um, we just clicked. We're like very similar personalities. We like the same things and we just, he's my best friend. Like we do everything together. So um, I had, I had he, he had decided to propose um and he had bought me, it's like kind of an antique ring that he, we had seen in like um, Twice Nice and Gold. It's mm. kind of like, it's not, it's not very, like, it's it's not, it's kind of antique jewelry. You right. know, it's not, not like your super bling expensive. Yeah. Um, so he um, had decided that he was going to book like really fancy and go Doonbeg Lodge. And mm. we're going to do like the whole, he's going to do the whole proposal. But sure, I wasn't in any fit state to go anywhere. I was, every time he booked it, mm. we'd cancel it um because I just was too unwell to go anywhere um so he just said like fuck this I'm just gonna do it at home so with me in my pajamas oh <laughs> my god he, uh, he got down on one knee and just said like you know I just love you will you marry me so it was exciting like it was it was exciting and it was kind of during that period where I was still trying to work and still yeah. I was calling sick a few days and take you know I was trying to push through it, my energy and stuff like that so it was difficult, but like it was the best day of my life. And then tell me, where was your mum and dad with all of this with you? So, um, so my mum, obviously, when I when I got very very sick with the heart failure at the very beginning, my mum was then my rock. She became like my travel buddy. She became almost like a part, you know, like she did the extra jobs with Aaron. Mm-hmm. I just that I could rely on her so much. So. She was the, she was my rock up until I met Ronan, and then I met Ronan in two thousand and nine, and things start started to go downhill for me health wise. Like I was getting to the point where I couldn't work anymore, um, and my mom was like, "If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care." a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know, she was like, the doctors, they don't know anything. We'll have, you know, they will have to get a second opinion. We'll mm. find out. There has to be a reason for it. She never doubted for a second that I was sick. She mm. knew instantly. She knows my personality. She knows what I was like. She knew. Um, but then, unfortunately... Three years after that, my sister was getting married. Um, she was the first one in our house to get married. She's my middle sister, Carrie. And she had booked absolutely stunning wedding in, um, in this Lockray Lodge in, in Galway. Fabulous place. And it was like the, the highlight of her, you know. I, I had personally just started to get really sick, so I struggled on the day. But mm. like for our family, it was like the happiest we'd been. Like we were just having such a happy day. She'd married the guy that she'd been with for like oh god I think 12 years at that stage you know and 13 years even 12 years I think and um uh, the night of my sister's wedding my mum died of a heart attack so we were all at the wedding when my mum passed away um and like we had just gone to bed and um there was uh, like a blackout in the hotel the electricity wasn't working for some reason um, so when the paper guy came to deliver papers the next morning, and he was like 5, 5 a.m. or something, it was something ridiculously early, he saw my mum slumped on the balcony, and they couldn't get into her room because there was, the electricity wasn't working, so they had to get a ladder up and everything. Um, and also the other side of it is they couldn't check on the system who was staying in what room. All they knew was that the bride was staying in the bridal suite. So they got her to come and identify who the person was that had died, and it was our mom. So in her wedding dress, still she had to go, and like identify my mom. It was it was a bit of a shock, to be fair, because I woke up, <laughs> I woke up um, to my sister. She was like pacing back and forth in the room and two guards and she just kept saying mama's dead mama's dead and like I couldn't get it into my head because she was only just she was 55 she wasn't old like she was 20 years older than me and she she like had such a zest for life but she was a smoker and I and she had gone to the balcony to have a cigarette just before she went to bed and had a massive heart attack nobody knew anything about it so um oh my yeah. god so it was it was just to go from such a high to such a low. And she was fine that day, was she? She was fine that day, dancing on the dance floor, everything. Yeah. We all had such a lovely day. And none of us noticed. And like my sister, I know. It's not that she blames herself, but she sort of feels responsible. Because she... You know, she sort of thinks that, like... If I hadn't got married that day, or mom might have been at home, or we might might have seen, you know. But like, at her inquest, the coroner said, like, even if she had had that heart attack in A and E, they wouldn't have been able to save her. It was just such a massive heart attack. So it was just it was a really hard experience to go from such a high to such a low, 
and and just at a time where I was starting to get really sick where I needed her you know like nobody else would come and like cook or clean or you know like all the basics my mom would have spotted that we needed that help and she would have been straight out but like we were kind of on our own then to do to do that so um yeah that it that was really really hard your poor sister yeah because every year I think mm. like her anniversary now is my mum's anniversary as well so we do try to make it like happy for her because like she's an incredible relationship with her partner her husband like um it was just supposed to be such a happy day so I think like it's going to be 10 years this year but it's still a shock it's still so hard to process it not getting to say goodbye or you know just to go from what do you mean mom like what do you mean mama's dad you know like she was just we were just drinking we were all together like we were dancing we were laughing it's like so hard to wrap your head around it so hard Mm. you know like I do believe in God you know um and I know others don't that's okay um, my mom, my mom did. She was like a yeah. firm believer, and it's 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 mad because you do you are like, why would God do such a thing? I know, yeah. Like, why would He do such a thing? And then you think, well, I personally would think, well, maybe that was the best way for her to go, because and I know I I can't say that to you, but like in situations, say because maybe it could have been a long illness and it could have been I worse. Agree. Yeah. You know, I think from her point of view, it was quick. She didn't suffer, but from our point of view, it was just like that not getting that closure or to say goodbye or just that like one minute there and next minute gone. You, it takes a really long time for your brain to, to catch up. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And I think even for months afterwards, we were doing. We were like in, uh, like we were just. My sister even went on honeymoon. Like she had to. Do you know what I mean? She was gonna lose her. her mm-hmm. They put so much money into it trip of a lifetime and she, she she was on honeymoon like with her new husband grieving the death of her mother like it was just such a surreal experience and it would be it yeah. would be you know and that's what we say like with grief and I know and I always give Cathy do you know Cathy in Galway she's in Galway she's at Grief Ireland no I should oh you should know yeah you should she's fabulous um She's lost her sister, and I think, oh God, I don't want to say her brother, but I definitely know her mom, or her sister, she lost, um, or I think she did lose her brother-in-law as well. And she's a Grief Ireland page, and she talks about grief and how it affects people in different ways. So different. Yeah. And like, as I said, my three sis- myself and my two sisters were so close, but we would grieve differently, or... You know, one day I might be having a good day when they're having a bad day, and mm-hmm. you know, it's such a it's such a thing that you have to go through yourself. You don't, mm-hmm. even if you're going through it with somebody who's experienced the same thing as you, you experience grief differently, completely differently. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Like they they still can't even go into her bed. Like her bedroom still has a suitcase from the wedding. Like, oh my god! Do you know they can't still even go into her room? And like, whereas I would feel comfort going mm. in there. I feel like, mm. you know, and I feel like she's there. Um, it's just different. It's just different for everybody. And then for the, like, the my thing would be thinking like the electricity gone. Yeah. Like. Um, and the funny thing is at her funeral, the, the, the priest did um, like a sermon and he talked about it's like when the electricity goes off. 
and when the lights go off and and all the electricity's gone and we were just looking at each other going like did he know that the electricity went off in the hotel when she died um it was just very surreal because it, it just matched exactly what had happened mm-hmm. and he never knew like he didn't know that 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 was the circumstances or anything like that so it's weird and like i i know you say you believe in god like mm-hmm. but and I would love to like have had the near death experience where I got to experience. Mm. I didn't, but I feel my mom around all the time. Do you? Yeah. And when I need her most, she sends me little white feathers. <laughs> and when I need her most, I could be like in the hardest situation out mm. of nowhere, a little white feather will appear. Even Aaron, like Aaron would have been so close to her as well because she helped yeah. me raise him. And um, he was doing his junior cert and it was just it was after she had died and he was like trying to think of I think it was like what symbol is AG you know silver Mm. he couldn't think the answer and he's I know this I know this I know this and out of nowhere all windows closed a little white feather came and landed right in front of him and my mom was like massive into her silver jewelry her silver thing and he just went ah silver that's it like you know I and I know that just sounds like pathetic to the story but it was just like he out of nowhere like just the, these feathers do appear when you need the most so and they do say that they do show signs you know mm. when you need them mm. and can I ask about your dad with all this how's yeah. he so he's like it, it's taken him a long time it was a shock to him my dad is very much a homebody like he mm. likes being at home and they have a lot of like horses dogs cats chickens like they had so many animals mm. My dad's not like he wouldn't be a drinker. He doesn't like kind of, you know, mm. he wouldn't be out partying, that kind of thing. So my sister's wedding was like a two-day affair and we had had a big barbecue the night before. Mm. And she got married in um, Kong, which is only like 20 minutes from our mm. house. So he stayed over that night. We had the big party. But for the night of the wedding, he didn't want to leave all the animals for the two nights. Okay. So he went back after like, you know, 12, 1 yeah. o'clock wasn't drinking so went back to the house so I had to phone him the next morning to tell him that mom had died so god help him it was so hard yeah it was really really hard and I think it's something that we say that to be the one to break the news yeah to somebody yeah to try and be strong and do it like you know I did try I tried to find the strength that day because I felt the responsibility as the eldest sister as well and my my sister, like, who just got married, like, her whole world fell apart. So, and my son, and, you know, so I did, I tried to be that tower of strength that day and break the news, you know, I had to break the news to my dad and my other sister, I had to break the news to. Um, still not fully, like, dealing with it myself mm. in my head. So it was, it was, like, really, really hard. Because that's it, just you. It does, yeah, mm. it does. It does. And then, can I ask you then, through all that, then you came, did you had the stem cell? Yeah. Um, and I know I'm moving on. Paul would kill me. Paul would be like, <laughs> you can't just talk about that and then move on to something else. But I've had yeah. so many like big, kind of big mm. traumatic things happen, I suppose. Like, you sort of think, crikey, like, mm. how, how can when so many things like kind of happen to one person? Like, it's, an, it's enough just to even have the story of mom, yeah. I suppose. But then on top of the Lyme disease and then, you know, it's like... And it is, and this is like what I say to people, like when people sit in front of me mm. and they're so brave and so inspiring and they've been through so much in life yeah. that 
if I stub my toe, I have a problem. Do you know what I mean? I oh, have but a, we are, we're all like that. Yeah. But I think that these stories do give you that inspiration. Mm. Like, I never would have thought I could get through stuff like this. But we all have that strength inside us. Like, we do. And mm. when the times get tough, yeah, you, you can get through anything. You can. Yeah, I think people can. I think yeah. pe- more people need to know that yeah. when they struggle with th- things. Can I ask you then, did you have the conversation with Ronan about babies and all of that? And was that hard for you guys? Yeah, actually, no one's ever asked me that before. Yeah, we did. We had that conversation. He knew um, pretty much like our second date that I had had a child, that I, I had Aaron. Um, and he wasn't phased by it at all. Like, I mean, he was six and a half years younger than me, so he was like 24. 26 you know mm. that's quite a big conversation mm. to have like you know if you're getting into this relationship mm. I you know I have a child and um we did have the he kind of knew my history there with my heart failure mm. and the the like the risks of if I was to get pregnant again um so he knew that very early on and like his his thought and it was that he he never wanted to risk losing me to, you know to have a child or whatever he sees Aaron as his own mm. and he's adopted Aaron as his own so mm. he is Aaron's father mm. and that's just our family that's the way he sees it like he he just is just the three of us you know he's happy he's never wanted to like he's just wanted our family he's mm. never I mean I'm sure if things had been different and it wasn't an issue we would have a ton of kids like yeah. he'd, he'd be happy that way too because he's a great dad but he's just content with me mm. and Aaron and did you accept it then when you met Roland did you accept it because did you ever think that you're being told that news and as you said you were single for eight years so you probably didn't expect yeah um yeah I did I suppose down the line I kind of thought well maybe it, it might be something that I could consider or that is that be, you Ring? I'm not sure could be it is it's you it's Roland and Nina's we're talking about it <laughs> 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 but um I, yeah, I suppose I kind of had thought, well, like maybe once my heart gets better, maybe it's something mm. that we can do down the line. Or, uh, yeah, there was no point in me even thinking about it because I hadn't met anybody mm. at that point either. But then once the Lyme started to kick in and I started to get so sick, and mm. Ronan was having to do all the parenting of Aaron anyway, there was no way we could add mm. another, even attempt to, to add another baby mm. on top of that situation. So it just wasn't for us. It mm. just like wasn't our plan. But you don't miss it. No, I don't miss. I have like I have Aaron, and he's mm. like the best kid. Like I seriously could not like mm. have asked for a better kid. So I don't. I don't miss it. Like, and we just have. You know, my sister has two kids and and or two boys and a little girl. So mm. they're like. I mm. mean, we're such close family anyway that like if my mom was here, she'd be smothering them up with yeah. kisses and cuddles, mm. and uh, we do that with them now. Mm. So like, and it's mad because we've got like. I see, you know, Jennifer Anson did her interview. Yeah. And like the amount of talk around it. And, you know, there is that snobbery of women who don't have, want to have children and then the women who do have children and judgment and all that. And if you don't want to have kids, you don't want to have kids. You see, I see that a lot on Instagram, especially Mm. being in the travel world. There's a Mm. lot of like, say, maybe younger people that like travel is their priority or their careers are their priority. Uh, Lifestyle is more their priority. And the, they just don't want to have kids, but mm. the amount of grief that they get for that decision online is mm. just shocking. Some people can't have kids. Some people just don't want to. You know, I, mm. I think it's a personal decision for everyone and it shouldn't be 
the, the case of like immediately a woman gets married and she's asked, well, when are you giving us the grandchild or mm. when, when you, when you, like, it's a personal decision. I, I just don't understand. Like, yeah, I seem to think the other day and I taught someone on, on Instagram that I follow had put out about Tom Parker's wife. Have you seen this? No. So Tom Parker was the guy who was in the wanted that died oh, of yeah, cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he died eight months ago and there's a big piece in the newspaper that his wife has met a boyfriend, has a boyfriend, mm. a secret boyfriend in Greece. Um, but she was asking her opinions on it and she's she's got quite a big following and then she had an opinion on it saying that it was disgraceful that the newspaper was bringing this out into the world and the attention and how dare she find love after eight months. But then she was asking us for our opinion on it mm. and I thought fuck so what yeah no. do you know what I mean if she wants to yeah just do your own thing be happy be happy yeah. like you know she's not gone through such a horrific yeah, thing, thing. Yeah. of losing her husband like as you said it's your sister losing her mom and then she has to go on her honeymoon you have yeah. to just do yeah, things in life to. you have to yeah but I just thought like this is so and I know I'm going off topic but I was like this is so bizarre that I know we're actually having a conversation that a young girl has lost her husband. I know. And she's finding happiness And she's again, finding a so. little bit of happiness. And people are people judging. Judge. I know. And I think you even see the same thing. There's like, I, I don't know, I don't want to name people out, but mm. there's a few high profile Instagram accounts um, and like who've lost their partners or, mm. you know, and, and you see that it's like, oh, you know, people are always so quick to say, oh, you're laughing and you're happy and you're, mm. why are you, you know? You don't know what grief is like. You don't know what that person's gone through. Mm. Why like, we shouldn't judge people. We should just let them do their thing, yeah. be happy. Mm. You do your thing and be happy. And I yeah. just, yeah, I feel there's too much like judgment out there, really, for other people. How other people live their lives. Oh my god, it's constant. Yeah, it is constant. It is constant. And I've really learned now. Like I really do give a shit. Yeah. And it's terrible because I should. Like father say to me, "No, you should," and I say, "No, but I don't." Like I don't. Well, I'm kind of the same, and I mm. think I think possibly the lime has taught that. Like to mm. me, you know, I I love like I've gained five stones since that time when I was going to the gym all the mm. time. Like I'm mm. not one of those girls that um, is naturally skinny. I have to like exercise. Mm. I don't eat don't eat like a lot, but like I gained five stones since I got sick. And I've just learned to like, you know, and I know everyone's on about self-love and everything, but I do. I love my body mm. for what it came through and everything that it got me through and it yeah. got me this far. You know, yeah. it's st- I'm still walking on my two legs and like we shouldn't be so hard or judgmental or, you know, having to fit into these molds. Mm. And I think that's what I like about there's a, a quite a lot of that on Instagram where you see the accounts that are just being real and just mm. being themselves and authentic and I I think that really does stand out like now Mm. that's what people want they connect with more I think than than that like you see the Kardashians coming out now that it's heroin chic is back oh my god I put that on my stories and I was like everyone was like why are you even saying (laughs) that but I was like heroin chic as if you wake up one morning and go oh I think I'll be like super gaunt and skinny today like it's just and it's it's nuts like it's nuts what people do yeah to do do our bodies it's just mental can i ask nicola with the lime so since the stem cell is that you cured so yeah i wish i could say i was cured Mm. but i'm not because the lime has done so it's done so much damage it's left me with a lot a lot of like autoimmune problems 
Um, I have like too much um, fluid on my brain and I have a condition called um, IIH, idiopathic intracranial hypertension. So I get a lot of pressure, pain in my head. Um, This year then, um, well, I I developed fibroids. So because my uh, hormone levels were too much, I was producing too much estrogen, my hormone endocrine system had gone off whack. So I was having horrific problems with them. Um, I won't even go into the details, but it was like horrific problems with them. So I was under investigation for them um, and I became severely anemic with that. Um, So they brought me in for a chest x-ray just to make sure that there was nothing going on with my heart because Mm. I'd had the previous history of the heart failure. And they found um, a lump, a tumour on my ribs that I didn't even know was there. So um, I was like, oh, sweet Lord, like what? How can it be something else? Mm. Are you kidding me? Um, So yeah, it turned out that I had bone cancer um, and it had been grown there in my ribs. So I had to be brought in for pretty horrific surgery, like immediately um, to have two ribs removed and the tumour removed. I'm like, I'm like Frankenstein cut wide open. Uh, just when I thought I was getting back on my mm. feet and that like, you know, I could put all that sort of stuff behind me. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm dealing with right now. So thankfully I had the surgery was really horrific. Um I had that last February and I think I'm only just getting on my feet now from my it. Um, and it's like every time I want to travel, something yeah, else, so like, like bloody COVID came along yeah. and then this came along. So, um, yeah, so I just have to be monitored now for the next five years with scans and stuff. Hopefully it won't grow back. So that that's kind of... You don't need chemo. You don't need No, chemo. it's actually the type of cancer it doesn't. It's called chondrosarcoma. It doesn't respond to chemotherapy or radiotherapy. So you're only... Your only treatment is surgery. So if that doesn't work and they don't get the full lot of it or, you know, around the margins and stuff, you can be in a lot of trouble. Um, Yes, it's it's a very hard cancer to treat. But in my case, because they found it incidentally, I wasn't at the stage where I had to... Like the tumour was nine centimetres, so it was big. But I never knew it was there. It wasn't causing me any symptoms. At the point where it starts to cause symptoms, it's already gone too far. So they had said to me, if, if it had been a year down the road, there would be nothing that they could have done for me. It would have spread. Like, So that's another like mm. part where I think mom was looking down at me, you know, just making sure I got that x-ray when I was in Amy that time. And like, if I didn't have that, I would not I would be sitting here talking to you. I wouldn't have even known that I, that I had a cancer eating away at me inside. Like, no idea. Do you know? So it's like... Oh, my God. That was... That was First of all, it was a shock to have mm. to go. Like, I, I kind of thought I had done my health things. And, yeah. and that was me. Lyme disease was my, like, label. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I sort of felt, like, immune to the rest of the illnesses mm. out there because I felt like I'd done my time with that. Um, so I never, I never would have thought that I would be on, like, a cancer diagnosis if a year later down, down the road. But, like, how lucky was I to... Yeah. How lucky, like, so, so lucky. But you must be like, Rona must be like, for fuck's Oh, he is. Sake, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're else? just so used to it. Yeah, it's, there is always something like, yeah, it is. It's a bit of, It's a bit like that. But I think you just, it teaches you so much to appreciate your life, mm. appreciate the everyday, small things, people that you meet, surround yourself with people that are caring and that love you and like just want you to be happy, you know, mm. t- 
cut out the tr- you know the trash or the, yeah. the people that are just there to judge you who mm. cares it's your mm. life you just have to like yeah I've learned that I've learned that and you know I didn't have any traumas I probably have had traumas of absolute wagons in my life do you know <laughs> what I mean but no like I've had I've learned like now and I had I was there was an incident that I I was at something and I just come off something and I was really tired and I was exhausted and someone came to me and said that they were my friend and that somebody people were talking about me people were talking about me and I said to her my words to her were and this is what I'm gonna go by Nicola and I don't give a shit my words to her were as my friend when people are talking about me what are you doing because I don't really really care about them yeah exactly but what were you doing were you sitting nodding your head yeah or standing up for me or were you keeping shut or were you saying hang on a second yeah because the friend who's keeping the mouth shut or nodding along is not a friend exactly yeah and this is where now in life and this is where sometimes like I don't like my sister-in-law slags me she's like (laughs) you are just so far to her side of it but I am very much that if you're not champion me, I don't want you in my life. Yeah, 100%. It's that simple. 100%, yeah. You, but you've had to go through all those traumas of that, whereas I just probably had had, had my know. own traumas through, through life as well. I know. Um, so you went back to work. I'm back to work full mm. time now. Like I have, that was one of the happiest days, just mm. getting back to work, you know, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was just an amazing experience. Well, back to work, but then obviously I had the surgery. So mm. currently I'm working from home. Okay. Because I'm waiting another surgery for the hysterectomy. Right. So I'll be having that December 8th. And hopefully that's it. I can close the bloody chapter yeah. on the illness now mm. and just like focus on work and then just travel and travel. It just fuels my soul. Like it mm. just does something for me that nothing else can. So like I said, when I, I was on Sky Princess... Mm. I cried with emotion. It was just that, like, there's certain things that I'm experiencing now that, first of all, I never thought I would get the chance to experience. Mm. But, like, it's just such a, such a gratefulness, like, to be able to be there in that moment is... Yeah, yeah. and I just, I said that to you, that, like, when I get newbies that come on the ship yeah. and they've never experienced a cruise ship in their lives and they, got, they, they do get, yeah. they still get quite emotional. And we have, did you see Rock Opera? yeah yeah so in rock opera and they're signing as they're singing and i sobbed yeah sobbed my heart out and my friend was like what the fuck is wrong with you and i was like oh my god and i was like this is just so emotional it's so emotional it's like i was like imagine having a deaf child or you know a child who needs to see Mm -hmm. signing and enjoy that experience to be able to enjoy that experience so i do get it with you tell me about your favorite place that you've ever done and then your bucket list okay i'm going to do that first of all can i go to your point though yeah when when i was on sky princess at ronan mm. it was the first time see s- since i travel with chronic illness i'm mm. very aware of people with disabilities yeah and how it's not easy travel mm. is a privilege mm. like it's not easy to travel but when i was on sky princess i was so happy to see the amount of people in wheelchairs <laughs> and disabled people mm. i i just never really thought that it would be something that, mm-hmm. that disabled people could enjoy yeah i don't know why i thought it'd be awkward getting on and off the ship mm. but i've never seen it as it's just so like it was just mm. so friendly for like mm-hmm. disability it was 
so lovely to see. Yeah, and we did. Really we, lovely to see. I was on Enchanted and we were watching for the wheelchair because we do have to have like a minimum and ma- a, ma- yeah. a maximum amount, you know? Yeah. And we were watching it and we were like, oh my God, the amount of wheelchairs we have this week is incredible. Like we'd so many, but the facilities on board. The just, facilities mm, are on board are just insane. Fantastic it's for, for not anyone like because, that. Because people get, with disability get excluded so much mm. from society. Like mm. you can't just get trained. Like yeah. it might say disability friendly, but it's not. Like, mm. You know, the amount of ramps that are broken down and, th- you know, I'd be very aware of it because I, I would have a lot of friends that are still struggling with Lyme mm. and that like are have mobility issues now as well. Like so, it was just so lovely to see how easy it was for them mm. to get around and how much facilities there were and mm. things to enjoy. And it was really really lovely. Um, top place for me, Romania is just the most incredible country. It's so underrated. Really, like, people don't even know. It's like actually stepping into a fairy tale. Like storks on on chimney tops and their, their nests and people out with pitchforks and like stuff that it's just it's stunning like no absolutely stunning yeah like 80 percent of the entire europe's flora and fauna is in romania oh really yeah the carpathian mountains transylvania all of that forestry mm. that has never been touched or industrialized or anything like that it's not like super touristy mm it's just the most gorgeous country. Yeah. Mm, I'll have to try Stunning. that. Yeah. Your bucket list. My bucket list is never ending, but mm. my top three, if I could see the Northern Lights, yeah. I think I would cry. Yeah. I would just feel like, oh my God, this is heaven. Um, I would love to do the, uh, like see Machu Picchu. Mm. Yeah. Not sure I can manage the hike, but I would still love to give it a go. Mm. Um, and I'd love to do like, I don't know, like a train ride through the Swiss Alps or something yeah. like that. I don't know. In my head, I have like, yeah, this I know. idea. Mm. I don't know if it's what mm. it's like in reality, but the, that's mm. kind of my bucket list. Yeah. I don't know what mine is. Um, I know Ronan's is different. Like he's got Argentina's thrown in there as mm. well. And yeah, he's got like more kind of adventurous. Yeah. <laughs> I want the romance. The romance. You know? I don't know. Yeah, because <laughs> I love your, um, your reels and uh, bloody drone footage and yeah, all that and yeah. i know you did we'd, funny so, like said. we work together i started the instagram kind mm. of by myself um just as an outlet you know mm. and like i said i had started to follow a load of travel bloggers mm. that i was like they were giving me the zest for life yeah. that i just didn't have um and when i started traveling myself i wanted to document it all didn't mm. think that anyone would follow along and um, and it was just like i started it and then he saw my passion for it mm. and he, I was like well if you're gonna come you're gonna have to learn how to take photos yeah you know? yeah, yeah, like, yeah can't uh, use his tripod forever mm. um and he learned like he trained himself how to do photos videos drones now I rely on him for everything yeah he's yeah. just he's so good like oh my god your, your content yeah. is so amazing so like it's so aesthetically pleasing it's unbelievable <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, Paul's the same. Like, to Paul to say that I might be the face, but he's the ass, but he's not. They're not because we appreciate them so, so much. much yeah. So much. So yeah, much. Yeah, we appreciate And everyone. I do so much behind the scenes as well. Like, mm. I mean, I hate getting in the photos. That's mm. actually my least favorite part. But, um, you know, you have people have to relate to you. So you have to get put your face in front of camera. Yeah. You know? um, but like, doing all the editing and the blog work, the blog takes forever. I know. Like, I don't know how you used to do yeah, that. It's, yeah. There's so much work involved that people don't see behind the mm. scenes, you know. And then can I ask you then just about Lyme and just a warning to people about yeah. Lyme disease? 
Yeah, so I think that's the the main thing that I really want people to take away from is to come to me if they have any questions at all. Like that's, I just want to be, you know, the voice where people can get awareness from um, about Lyme disease. It doesn't have to get to the stage where it got to for me. The reason it got to that stage for me is because <laughs> your dog is gorgeous. He's so balls, just ignore him. <laughs> He's huge. I know. Um, <laughs> The reason it got to this stage with me is because I didn't know I had it. So mm. it, it went undetected for years and years and years doing all the damage. So the, the if you know that you've got bitten and you see a tick, mm. um, just please don't squeeze it out. Like if you touch, if you squeeze the body of the tick, you're just going to inject all of the okay. stomach contents of the tick in, inside you. You have to get it very close to the head. Um, so either with the sharp tweezers or you can get tick removal kits now and you can get them in any pharmacy, mm. especially during the summer. Aldi send them, sell them as well during the summer. And it's just, it sort of just twists the tick out. Oy. But if, if you don't have the tick remover, get very, very close with the tweezers to the head mm. and just don't squeeze the body of it, squeeze the head and mm. one sharp pull out. And if you can, you can freeze the tick that can get tested if you're, you know, if you develop symptoms down the mm. line. Um, the, the main symptom that is diagnostic of Lyme disease, which means that you don't even need to test, you definitely have Lyme disease, mm. is this thing called a bullseye rash. Yeah. So it's like a red dot with a white circle around it, followed by another red circle. So it literally looks like a bullseye. Mm. So anyone wants to Google what a bullseye rash, just to become familiar with it, because if you see that, it means you have Lyme disease. Just go straight to your GP and you need three, four weeks of antibiotics. So doxycycline, that sort of antibiotic is usually what they'll give you for Lyme disease. But it's very resilient, it's very hard to kill, so you need the four weeks of it. And doctors aren't, they don't like to prescribe yeah. antibiotics or they don't know the length that yeah. they have to prescribe them for. So that's where a lot of people fall, where they, they might have only got a few days or a week of antibiotics and it wasn't enough to kill the Lyme disease. So. Because I, I know, like I'm thinking about it, and I know, like I know John, he's over in Spain, but he was, no, Portugal. But he was in Portugal getting mm. treatment because there was no treatment here. Mm. And now my friend's mom has it as well. Mm. Um, and it's something now that, like, because it's such a, a debilitating illness and disease, disease that I would be terrified of my child getting it. Mm. Absolutely terrified. I know. But I think it's just the, the quicker that you react mm. and the quicker that, mm. like... And not everyone who gets Lyme disease, some people's immune systems are mm. able to keep it at bay and it doesn't cause them any problems. Um, my son tests positive for Lyme disease because I was pregnant with him when I got it. Okay. So it mm. passed to him, but he's never really had any of the dis, you know, um, yeah. debilitating symptoms that I've had. So you can carry it and not, it, mm. it, it won't affect everyone as badly as it affected me. Yeah. But people whose immune systems are suppressed or people who, certain immune types, like not everyone who got COVID gets long COVID, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? So it's a lottery you just don't know how you would react if you got it so you don't take the chance you know and just mm. yeah straight to your gp tell me so. nicola about aaron today how old is he, and <laughs> he's, what is twi- he? he's 21 i still oh, can't God. believe it because in my head i'm still 23 yeah when yeah. i had him and mm. um, oh he's the best kid like i honestly c- just can't speak highly enough for him he never caused me a day's trouble just very studious like me i yeah. suppose um like he wasn't the type of kid that would sit down and watch cartoons mm. he was national geographic or <laughs> air crash investigation so he was fascinated with like airplanes and anything that moved you know like 
I'd buy him Lego for Christmas or something like yeah. that and it would be like smashed to smithereens because he'd want to fur like even cars <laughs> or anything he wants to figure out how things work yeah. or um you know he learned the word tsunami at a really young age and he was like you know oh tsunami happened and I was like I didn't know whether to be like what did you destroy or be proud yeah, like yeah, that yeah, you knew yeah, the word yeah. tsunami so he's fascinated with all that sort of stuff so mad into the formula one like mad really? fanatic yeah have you been have you brought him? no i mm. haven't i brought him to the lamborghini museum in, right. in italy so oh. yeah he's just obsessed with that sort of stuff so he's doing aeronautical engineering at the moment in limerick Fab. hoping to get into the formula one side of it and yeah. be one of those engineers that you see on the Could tv you imagine? can you imagine Fab. but i'll tell you what he's got my determination he's just like you know if you put your mind to yeah. it you can like anybody can achieve anything do you oh. know what i mean you just mm. have to be prepared to work for it. Like things don't just come to you. You yeah. have to go out and look for them, and you have to put in the work and put in the effort. And anybody can have anything if they're prepared to just work work towards that goal all the time. So, what's I next for so. you? Oh gosh, I don't know. Well, I'm dying to get back to, back into the lab. So mm. after I have my um, surgery, I'm dying to get back into the lab, and then it's like just travel I just want to see the whole mm. entire world mm. so yeah I'm just slowly ticking countries off the, the bucket list you. yeah Nicola thank you so much for sitting down with me we leave it there thank you so much for having me you're thanks so for coming to the house from Galway you're so, you're good. so, good, so but, good but um thank you very much thank you hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.